Welcome to Here for Her Health, where we're building a better, healthier everyday for women. Brought to you by Organon. Welcome to the first episode of Here for Her Health, a podcast series sponsored by Organon with the goal of creating a better and healthier everyday for every woman. I'm Wendy Lund, and I'm really excited to kick off this podcast. We are starting out by focusing on some of the outrageous facts that we as women face in today's society, especially when it comes to our health. And these facts about women's health and their unmet needs are truly outrageous. And I'm not just talking about physical health, but everything that relates to overall well-being. As someone who lives in the realm of finding and understanding facts, I'm thrilled to introduce our first guest, Edwina Dunn, a true leader when it comes to data science and also the founder of The Female Lead an organization we've been working with since the launch of our company. Throughout her career, Edwina has always been fascinated with other people's stories. She created the Female Lead as a campaign to celebrate women and the lesser-known stories of their success based on her insights about women. Today, she is here to join us in a discussion about some outrageous facts that we as women face in today's society. Edwina, hello. How are you today? So great to see you. Wendy, it's always great to see you. So Edwina, last time we talked, you were in Spain. Where are you today? I am back in London and it's not so pretty, but you know, that's London. It's it's a bit gray. Well, your background is looking beautiful. I've Love getting to know you over these last few months since Organon has spun. And I just hope my next visit is to London so I can get to sit in person with you and have tea or a drink and get to know each other further. Because, you know, over the last few years, you have been doing such an iconic job with the female lead, really exposing people and women to subjects that everybody's thinking, but maybe nobody is saying. So today, I think we'll have a number of different things we can talk about excited to hear your point of view. You always bring a little bit of a different twist because of your background in research and all the insights you are gleaning. Let's start by talking a little bit about a subject that you have been focusing so much on, which is women and COVID-19. According to Statista, only 17% of employees worked from home regularly before the lockdown. How do you think working from home has affected mothers and their health during this pandemic? Well, yes, so much has changed, hasn't it? I mean, the world has changed before our eyes and at a speed and with a kind of universality that we could never have imagined. I was part of the cohort of people who thought working at home wouldn't really work long term, wouldn't really be effective. And of course, we all had to embrace it. So Yeah, I was surprised at how well everybody just leapt into it and got on with it. And I think on the surface, working from home says to everybody that they can be flexible, they can work when they want, they have the convenience of not traveling and all the wasted time of commuting. But I think the reality is somewhat different and rather disappointing in that what we've discovered is, in fact, because the edges of work-home life have been so blurred, it's actually led to an increase in the time that people work, 
a sense that work is never done, never finished. People put more in than they ever have done. And the reality is that mostly women have had the additional load of home life, and that might mean the domestic duties or planning them at least. But, I mean, let's face it, the really big bugbear that everyone's had to deal with is home tutoring or even just home care. And I think that has just been a step too far, a burden too far. And I think it it has shaken women's careers to an enormous extent. I'm always observing people and listening to people. And one of the things that comes to mind when I think about this is the word boundaries. As a single working mom, I was one of those people who had an incredible support system at work earlier in my career where people said work from home. And I always kind of embrace this idea of ubiquity. If I can be everywhere, omnipresent, I guess is the better word. If I can be everywhere by being available by phone and email, et cetera. And I feel with COVID that has kind of taken on a whole new dimension in a couple of ways. I was sitting yesterday getting a cup of coffee and I overheard a woman next to me and she kept getting phone calls Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I kept hearing her say, I have no boundaries. My boundaries are completely lost. She has three children. I started to talk to her and really better understand what she was going through as a working mom, that boundaries don't exist anymore in the workplace. And then on the flip side, I was talking to some family members yesterday, and they were talking about how they might actually move away from New York and go to a place where it's more affordable and you know a little mountainy and more beautiful. And so that kind of creates a more of a boundaryless life. So more to come on this subject over the next few years. And at the end of the day, we just need to make sure we're supporting our women as much as we possibly can in the workplace to create a work environment that is conducive to her being productive and doing what she does best, right? I think everyone wants to hear more and more about this through your various feeds and the writing you're doing and the work you guys are doing. Well, absolutely. And I think we've very much called the mental load that women carry as being the big beast out there because that mental load has just got so much bigger. And that's something that we all have to deal with and find release from. And as you rightly say, it's the boundaries that make that so difficult because so much has been blurred So yeah, the impact will be felt, I think, for a long time to come. Yeah. And we have seen that staggering number of women, 2.3 million have dropped out of the workforce entirely compared to 1.8 million men during the pandemic. And I would love to hear, in your opinion, what do you think has caused this drop? Well, I think that the reality is that extra burden, that mental load that has increased, that increased complexity of life has put pressure on home life, on family life. Women have absorbed that and realized that their precious careers the work that they have valued and wanted to follow has just got to be given up for the greater good of the family. And I think actually the problem is, although women are always deemed to be the caring ones, the ones that hold everything together, the reality is that comes at a price. And so this equality that we've been talking about, this gender parity and pay parity, it's all been shaken 
up. And I think we're going backwards. We're going back to the era where women are needed to be at home, to be the carers. And so what is that going to do to people who have ambition, who have dreams beyond just being the loving carers of parents, children, family? Yeah, and to that point, we saw students shut out of their schools during this period. How do you think this has affected mothers and women working from home or women who can't work from home during the pandemic? Women were always facing burdens around these kind of issues. And what is the real impact? Well, I think there are almost two impacts there. One is the the sort of grown-up children being back at home and affecting the dynamic of the household. But I think even more importantly, it's the impact on young people who really have seen college life, university life as part of their education, as part of their awareness of how life works, how interaction works, how they learn to be a member of a broader community, and how they prepare for starting work and meeting lots of new people, taking on responsibilities. All of that has been removed. Again, they've taken a big step back. They're back at home. They're back being children, potentially annoying their parents or their parents going, oh, great, I've got my children back at home and they've not left me after all. But all of that has a consequence. And we're going to have this whole generation of children, grown-up children, who perhaps don't leave as fast stay in in the family household and then what consequence of that is that happy is that encouraging for their education their lifestyle their starting work it's going to push all of that back as well yeah the consequences remain to be seen here over the next number of years and you know one thing as we think about this and covid-19 is that over the course of the last couple of years, an estimated 12 million women have experienced disruptions in their family planning due to the COVID-19 pandemic, leading to 1.4 million unintended pregnancies, according to new estimates released by UNFPA. Wow. This is obviously a staggering number. So in your opinion, what is causing these interruptions and why are they happening? And what are some of the things we can do? Well, I think we've all been nervous about taking any worries or any small pains, any small concerns to the doctor or to hospitals. I think we've thought there are more pressing, urgent needs. And so we've pulled back on taking the normal care that we would. We've been to the dentist less. We've certainly been to hairdressers less. And we've been to the doctor less. And actually, What does that mean? It means the things that were spotted, that were noticed by professionals, have been hidden behind this non-attendance. And I don't think anybody intended for it to be the case, but I think the reality is we've got a backlog, as well as people who've kind of pushed all these rather slightly inconvenient, not much wanted interventions to the back of the drawer. 
you know, staying on that discussion around family planning that we just had in terms of the fact that women have not been able to make it back into the office of their provider. One of the things that the UN Population Fund has stated is that 47 million women in 114 low and middle income countries may not be able to even access modern contraceptives. And so what can we do to bring awareness and change this issue? Gosh, that's such a big and important question. All I know is that I've listened to women who are far more expert than me. And they always tell me that so much of the answer to this is about education. It is about allowing women to understand what is possible, what is out there they can have access to. And for them, the desire to create an education for themselves, to create opportunities in life for themselves that go beyond. And I think the more education, the more understanding there is that you can choose a pathway and that is a good choice and an acceptable choice. I mean, that makes such a difference, doesn't it? To know that so often, especially in the world I grew up in, you could make that as a very conscious decision. You could decide when you were going to have a family and you could be in control. I mean, a lot of the things we talk about for the female lead are about taking the lead in your own life. And I think contraception is probably one of the most important areas that women have to take responsibility for that. You know, there's lots of reasons why men might and perhaps even should. But the reality is that women take that responsibility largely today. So to be able to do that, I think, is, is part of that taking control and therefore loving the life that you choose and loving the steps that are ahead for you. And to hear of so many unplanned pregnancies, you know, maybe unwanted pregnancies. And my hope is that that can be changed or at least improved. Yeah, excellent point. You know, as you were talking about the female lead and the role it is playing for today for women across the world, one of the things that has been very clear is around mentorship, right? As women banding together, hearing women talk this way is so energizing to hear women wanting to come together to help each other. One of the stats that's come out is that 84% of all women across seniority levels said mentors or champions have been either important or very important in their careers. My question is, do enough women use or have a mentor? What do you think are the life and health benefits of having one? I remember my first mentor, and I mean, that woman, she was incredibly supportive in my career and giving me the support I needed to believe in myself and have that confidence at a very, very young part of my career. So just curious about what you think the role is right now, how women can play this role in a bigger way, given COVID-19, change the role, and then what kind of effect does that have on our life and health? So I believe... Being able to look to others and be inspired is probably one of the most game-changing impacts 
that anyone can have. I think it's fundamentally important. It's not that you don't have ideas yourself or that you're not creative yourself. But for me, seeing is believing and having that visibility to say someone else has done something that interests me or inspires me. That is enough to give an enormous wash of confidence over someone who's still growing, who's still young and forming. The reality is we researched girls and boys using social media responses, and we found that boys could list spontaneously and instantaneously many, many different heroes. They call them role models sometimes, but they would name them all. And a lot of them would be sport people or gamers or comedians or business people or even politicians. And they would just list them really, really fast. Girls, by contrast, will tend to mention celebrities, fashion icons, women who live airbrushed lives. And that causes quite a big problem because they're looking at women who only show the good side of their world and their life. And so quite often girls are led down this kind of rabbit hole of you have to be perfect, you have to look perfect, you have to sound perfect. It's only when you start to engage with real women who live real lives and tell real stories, do you realize that bad things happen? Things go wrong. And actually, nobody's life is just beautiful. So one of the things that we believe in really passionately as the female lead is to reveal real women doing amazing work, amazing jobs. We've been able to prove that when girls see these real women, their mental health improves, their confidence, their enthusiasm for life and a career ahead. And that's what's so exciting. It's a very, very small change. And so girls who've been consuming six hours of social media, you introduce them to two, three, four new female leads, and suddenly they feel better about themselves. If that's what happens to girls, I know that will also happen to women. And so if we're not telling the stories of real women, if there isn't enough seen about the success and achievements of women, then women are simply going to stand in the shadow of men and endless, endless stories about how amazing they are. Well, I genuinely believe women are incredible, are amazing, they're ambitious, they're confident. And actually, those are the stories we want to be sharing and for women to take inspiration from so that they believe they can do all these really difficult things that are now thrown in their path every single day. Very, very insightful. Thank you, Edwina. A lot to think about on that answer. As thinking through women's health, obviously, you know, you and I have both been around, we've seen a lot of changes in the area of women's health, and then maybe we haven't seen a lot of changes that we'd like to see, right? 
And you talk very affectionately about the fertility years, women who are kind of in those years from when they're protecting themselves, getting pregnant, and then of course, having children, living with children, and definitely a lot more attention needs to be paid to this woman and what she deals with, not just from a physical perspective, but from a mental health perspective as well. You're a researcher, you've kind of seen it all. Where do you see the future of women's health in the next five to 10 years in terms of awareness and accessibility for all? Well, I was very excited when I met you, Wendy, and your team, (laughs) because your ambition was to start a conversation, to listen to what women care about, what they worry about. And actually, most of these things have never really been spoken about. They are the things that get hidden, particularly at work. No one talks about when they get pregnant. No one talks about if they miscarry. No one talks about the fact that they can't get pregnant or that they've started IVF. And then nobody talks about maybe difficult births, depression, and then, of course, the dreaded menopause. Certainly no one talks about that. So the years that women go through, so much is suppressed, so much is hidden away. It's kind of nobody will talk about periods because that embarrasses men. It's like women live with that every day for years and years and years until the day, you know, pretty well start menopause or or get pregnant. So All these things that go on need to be talked about so that women don't carry that burden all on their own. And I know it's a really old-fashioned phrase, but a problem shared is a problem halved. And I think the more we can get people to accept that this is the cycle that women go through and that there's nothing ugly or bad about it, the better. Wonderful, wonderful thought and insight there. So Edwina, just as we're kind of wrapping it up, Female Lead, you all have been just doing an incredible job over the past few years, really bringing to light so many stories of not just high profile people and what they're overcoming, but you know the everyday woman. And I guess one of my questions for you is over the last couple of years through COVID, What has been your greatest insight? What has impacted you the most in terms of the voice that has come through on the female lead? You and your team have stopped for a minute and said, wow, that is something worth kind of taking in and noting. Has there been anything in particular that you've just been really blown away by? I think the thing that I have felt the strongest is that women know that they don't have a level playing field. They know that things are stacked against them. And yet, at the same time, they have such a strong sense of ambition and belief and hope and creativity that actually that's what shines through so often. And when women help other women, when they stand together and they kind of look after each other and give a helping hand every now and again. When I hear those stories, and this is the story that we're going to be telling in our new female lead book that comes out in November, when you hear these stories of women helping other women, that's the bit that just makes me so proud 
and so happy because it doesn't stop women being successful themselves, but when they help someone else, it almost makes both of them more successful. And that is the bit that I've held on to and really admired the many, many ways that happens. To your point, paying it forward or just being there for other women just creates a stronger society, right? And a stronger family, stronger community. So your point is so well taken. And I just want to thank you for what you've delivered over the last couple of years. You're an inspirational leader, someone that I have been just so lucky and so happy to get to know. And you mentioned your book. Do you want to give us a little bit more of an insight into your book this November so we can all look forward to it? Well, thank you, Wendy. And honestly, I'm so excited about really helping to understand how women feel about their personal health in the future. It's one of the things I really want to look at. But in the book that we are about to celebrate, yeah, what can I tell you? We have 67 new amazing women. We have 67 films that we're going to share over the year ahead. And the women in those stories in those films could not be more different. And I hope they represent every aspect of adversity, success, camaraderie, resilience, passion, all of those things. And I hope people will buy the book because that will help me donate more and more books to schools, colleges, universities which is really what the Female Lead Educational Foundation is all about. So we pass it forward because all the sales of the book go to helping school children so that they see every type of woman that they might possibly aspire to, dream of, or even not yet imagine. It will all be there in front of them. Great. Thank you, Edwina. That's going to wrap our first episode of Here for Her Health. I want to give a big thanks to Edwina for joining us today. Be sure to check us out next time and hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Lund, and want to thank you all for listening to Here for Her Health creating a better and healthier every day for every woman.